Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So the abortion conversation gets to the House in the state of Indiana, and they're changing it up. Well, of course they are. We knew they would. I don't think there was any question that they would make changes. I don't quite understand all the changes. But the Senate version, I never thought was going to be the final version. I am just amazed that the Republicans walked in and didn't have a plan. They had an idea. They had a theory. They had a, you know, a... Maybe they, they, they talk to each other in the halls. What are you guys going to do? Oh, no, you're still walking. Okay, bye. And they never actually sat down and figured it out. They never, ever, ever sat down to figure out what their plan was walking into a special session that this was going to dominate. The Indiana Republican Party, man. It's, it, it, you have to work hard to be this ridiculous. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it is so good to be with you. This is not Kansas. Kansas did something very unique in their uh, vote just yesterday. What they did is they voted against the ability for the General Assembly to make a move on abortion. They actually have abortion as part of their constitution. And so the question before them was about making changes and whether or not the General Assembly could do so. So they have regulations. They don't allow abortion after 22 weeks, but they have it codified. So they were looking to make changes to that, and that did not pass. Some people say this is a giant refutation of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, a repudiation. No, this is exactly the way it should work. This is exactly the way it should go down. The states, the people making the decision, not the Supreme Court, creating rights where they don't exist. Oh, this stuff is messy as a mother, you know what? Of course it's messy. It's messy and it's gross. And it's the way things have to be in order for people to be free. We have to make the call. And yes, you can put me in the category of people who dismisses those who say it's a woman's it's a woman's right to choose and it's reproductive health care and and you don't get to tell a woman what to do with her own body. I am not discussing the woman. I am discussing the life, which cannot be denied. You cannot separate these things. And there are people out there who are desperate to do it. And I consider those people craven and ugly and despicable. I do not find the people who believe in no exceptions craven, ugly, or despicable. I just find them to be on the wrong side of where the people are. The people who actually support life actually support life. They support all of it. Every last bit of it. 
And they're not apologizing. They're not going to apologize for a second. And as and as they see it, they shouldn't have to. As they see it, they have no need to apologize. Why why should they even consider such a thing? They say they support life, they mean it. Now to some people, uh this um seems uh D- d- despicable seems awful seems uh like 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 an obscenity this is the most disgusting awful terrible thing uh, that um they've ever witnessed the idea that you wouldn't have exceptions for rape now in their view anybody who was raped would immediately have an abortion that isn't true and we should never be glib or flip about Rape. We're talking about a crime of, of, of violence. It's so awful. You know, I don't believe in uh, letting rapists out of jail. I, I don't believe that people who engage in rape could ever, ever be people who are, uh, who are rehabilitated. That, that, that's a personal thing. Right? I, I mean, that's how disgusted I am uh, uh, by, by, by this crime. But the pro-lifer says the, the child did nothing wrong. Why are, you, why are you hurting the child? The pro-choice or the pro-abortionist would say, well, what about this person who had this horrible thing happen to them? They don't need to be carrying this reminder. And that makes this an ugly conversation, but a necessary one in a free society. Sorry. If you want government to handle it all, they will. And when government handles it all, it sucks. So while this is ugly, this is better. Us handling the thing is better. The House res- uh, revisions to the abortion bill um, would get rid of uh, the elective abortion conversation. That's still out, but it would allow more health exceptions. So they're going to expand the life of the mother exception to cover serious physical health risks, that even ones that fall short of life-threatening. And it's changing the number of weeks to 10 weeks. So uh, it was weird. The Senate version, and I never understood this, if you were under 16, you had 12 weeks to get an abortion. If you're over 16, you had eight weeks. So now they changed it to 10 weeks. If you had said 12 weeks... And, and I'm not, again, being glib here. You might peel off a couple Democrats, too. Remember, Democrats, they were like no exceptions whatsoever. They, they didn't care about exceptions. They didn't want any uh, restrictions on abortion at all, right? They were like, give us recreational abortion or give us death. And then they came in with, okay, 22 weeks. Okay, 20 weeks. Now, you can argue that's too long, but they came with something. The thing I said they weren't coming with, they finally came with. So you got to recognize that they came with it. I think that Hoosiers, if you told them 12 weeks, really, I think if you told them 15 weeks, if you told them 12 weeks, they could say, all right, so basically first trimester. Okay. Like, like they could, in, in the vast majority, see it and be like, solid. First trimester, these exceptions, solid. Solid, 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 fine. It's going to be a little bit shorter than that in 10 weeks. And the Senate better accept the fact that it's going to be 10 weeks. And it should be the same across the board as opposed to over 16, under 16. I was just 
That was just, I think, a weird play from the very beginning. They also did away with this that you have to sign some affidavit about being raped. So the story there would have been, so you're going to tell someone uh, that they have to sign that they were raped and uh, and uh, you're going to, what, prosecute them if they're lying? I mean, that's the question, right? Were you going to prosecute them if they were lying? Right? That, you, 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 that's what they're saying. That's why you would have somebody sign the affidavit. And that's going to be followed up with, oh, so you think somebody would lie about this? 14,000% I think somebody would lie about this. Let me be the first person to say, absolutely, I am convinced, and so are you, that if someone wanted an abortion, they would lie about being attacked to do it. No question. Don't tell me it wouldn't happen. Once is too many. Of course it would happen. The flip side of that is, so now you're going to prosecute him for a crime, are you? Well, lying about being raped might be a, a, a crime if you uh, reported it to, to the police and there was an investigation. You lie about being attacked, uh, just like you lie about an attacker. Man, you should go to jail for a good long time. Do we, as a state, want to be in the business of calling people liars or not? And I believe that the Politico said, not, please. Oh, dear, sweet Jesus, not, please. And that's, and that's why uh, the House took this out. That's why the House took this out. Of course, that's the case. What comes from all of this is the question. Now, there's a story at WIBC.com that a woman by the name of Patrice Soderholm, she's an OBGYN resident at IU Health, says there's a survey of 400 IU medical trainees found that 80% said they'd be more likely to practice out of state if an abortion ban passes. And 85% they'd say they'd be more likely to leave if legislators uh, impose criminal penalties. Um... I'm going to say this uh, the, the, the best way I can. Uh, if you have a, a number of weeks and you have exceptions, is that an abortion ban? Because if these so-called doctors think that's an abortion ban, buy. Buy. Well, I mean, uh, what is it that you think you're actually providing here? You're, you're going to go practice medicine in California instead of Indiana? Best of luck with that. Enjoy paying back those student loans. Because how are you going to afford to live in California? Indiana is a fantastic place to practice medicine. But on the subject of abortion, that's going to decide where you practice. I think you're being a bunch of woke damn fools. And you should be called woke damn fools. Just like your counterparts in Michigan who walked out of a white coat ceremony because the speaker was pro-life. You children, is this how you practice medicine? We don't like your politics, so do no harm goes out the window. We don't like your politics, so we won't stay in the room. Are you telling me that you're new doctors and you really believe abortion is healthcare? Could you sound ridiculous? You could argue that abortion may very well be necessary to save the life of the mother. That's a legitimate conversation based on legitimate circumstances. 
recreational abortion as health care because someone feels they'll be inconvenienced with that baby? Not health care. You sound crazy. And if there are medical schools that are pushing this, well, then, my God, you got screwed out of a real education, and I wouldn't want you working on me anyway. There is a reverence that takes place towards doctors that has to end. You're going to leave the state because there are restrictions on abortion? Bye. Bye. What, what, what do you want? People throw this all the time. Oh, it's going to prevent our ability to hire. Everybody agrees with you? I think there are plenty of people who be like, hey, pro-life state, let's go move over there. Maybe that should be the marketing ta- uh, campaign, the marketing technique. Honestly, if you're a doctor who's going to tell me that abortion is health care, recreational abortion is health care, because you don't have people being inconvenienced with babies, because if they were, it would hurt their mental state, and that's good enough for you to have an abortion? Dear Lord, how did you get a license? Maybe we need to start having a better standard. And doctors are not used to this. Doctors are not used to getting slapped in the face. They're used to to hearing, oh, yes, doctor, absolutely, doctor, right away, doctor. Here's your parking spot, doctor. Here's your coffee, doctor. Whatever you say, doctor. Oh, doctor, you're so funny. Oh, doctor, you're so witty. They're not used to being told, screw you. Some doctors need to be told this. You're not special. You're not special. And if you're not willing to practice medicine because of this... Well, then best of luck in California and New York. Enjoy the taxes. Enjoy the high price of everything. Go, go get them, Tiger. I'm not telling you you have to stay. I am telling you that threats don't change reality. And I don't believe you should bow down to threats. Hoosiers do not want recreational abortion. Hoosiers do want some level of access to it. So the House has made changes. For the Senate Republicans who believe in no exceptions whatsoever, well, they're going to lose. And they'll come back with it. They'll come back again and again and try and bring something up, and they'll lose until they change culture, and then, and then they win. But they haven't changed culture today. Just so we understand each other, they have not changed culture today. To the extent that they could have no exceptions. Exceptions are coming. Increasing the number of weeks is where this needs to be. And that's where Hoosiers are. I'm not telling you not to do your thing. Other side could do their thing. Let's remember how we started. Of course this is all messy. This is how the founders created the system. This system is better. It is better that the states are having to go through this fight if they would just do it honestly as opposed to attacking each other 24-7 would be better. But hey, you can't get everything you want. This is better than a dictate from the federal government creating a right where it doesn't exist. This, this ugliness, this messiness, this dirtiness is better. I'm also a betting man on this subject. And that I, I don't doubt that Republicans will push forward with something and Democrats will push forward with something in the years ahead. Hoosiers, once this is settled, will be very happy to walk away from this. 
because it is ugly. It is the right way for a democracy to act. But once it's settled, man, or decided, the vast majority of them are going to want to move on. The cultural shift is going to take years upon years upon years. Most people are going to say that's what they do in Indiana and be finished with it so they can move on to other things. They don't want to have this. They don't want to be a part of this debate. I can appreciate such a thing. I'm just recognizing that this is the way a real free society operates. And thank goodness we can. I'm Tony Katz. So Speaker Pelosi went to Taiwan and the world did not come to an end. Oh, yeah, sure. China saber rattling. And I think that China threats need to be responded to. And China's doing what, what, what they do. You know, uh, do, I, do I have this in the English from the Chinese? Hold on, let me see if I've got this. No, it's, it's, it's not. What, what they're, they're saying here is that this is an out-and-out farce. The U.S. is playing the dirty tricks to encroach upon China's sovereignty under the guise of democracy, quote-unquote. And separatist forces for Taiwan independence, like Tsai Ing-wen, are hanging on to the U.S. coattails. Uh, she's the president of Taiwan, by the way. That's who uh, uh, Tsai Ing-wen is. Uh, so, you know, this is... This is uh, they're just being infuriated. How dare anybody question whether or not Taiwan is, is part of China. The United States, even with Pelosi there, tried to make it clear we're, we're not messing with the one China policy. Uh, it's just, you know, we, we wanted some coffee, and so we decided to come to Taiwan because they have good coffee or something like that. The issue is not an agreement or disagreement with her going. It's whether or not she can. Of course she can. Starting a war with China. No, it's not. The war's already started with China. What are you talking about? Besides, when Pelosi gets back, she's going to have to deal with her fact, the fact that her husband was uh, drugged up and got into a car accident. This is a guy who needs to be in jail. If you or I did this, uh, there would at least be some kind of court hearing. And if it was me, oh, conservative is on drugs and gets into a car accident, it'd be 24-7 news. I'd have to, you know, resign from this. I'd have to get fired from that, a whole thing. Nancy Pelosi's husband does it. Paul Pelosi, it's not even a story. It's a story. But she can visit Taiwan, and China's not allowed to threaten us, and they should deal with the consequences of of even thinking of threatening us. That's my take. More to come. I'm Tony Katz. Marion County is going to choose a new prosecutor. And we have discussed the issues that we are seeing in Indianapolis and Marion County uh, throughout the country. Conversations and questions about whether or not we are tough on crime, whether or not there needs to be a new approach to crime, whether or not we actually consider crimes to be crimes anymore. We watch as people who are engaged in violence, engaged in activities we find despicable and beneath us as a society are let back out of jail. And we see what happens when that takes place or they're not prosecuted at all. Tony Katz, great to be with you. Cindy Carrasco joins us uh, right now. Cindy, C-Y-N-D-I, Cindy for Indy.com, uh, the Republican nominee for Marion County prosecutor. I appreciate you taking the time uh, to be with us. Uh, I want to get a little bit 
into your history. But I want to start with, uh, you know, what is what is your reason for running? How do you see the situation as, as I have presented it? Am I right? Am I wrong? How do you, Cindy Carrasco, see it? Well, Tony, thanks for having me this morning. I um, I absolutely see it the same way. Look, I'm running because our city is in crisis. There is a crime crisis that is really taken over our city. And I'm just fed up. I'm fed up with the violence. I'm fed up with record homicides. I'm fed up with shootings uh, happening throughout our city. And, and we need to change. So there's a conversation about what's happening in the city regarding violence. Then there's the conversation about what can be done when somebody is arrested for the violence. So break down the two things for me. What do you believe are prescriptions for limiting the violence in the city? And what do you believe the prosecutors should be doing when a case that has been uh, reviewed or I should say investigated by the police is brought to possibly your office? You know, the bottom line is that we have to get back to the fundamentals. We have to get that prosecutor's office doing what it should be doing. And the primary role of that prosecutor's office is to hold people accountable. And what I would bring to the office is that I would actually hold people accountable. There's got to be consequences for actions. And again, we just have to get back to that. Getting back to that, I'm going to push back on a little bit because people will say, well, that's a a, a talking point. Talk to me about uh, specifically how you get there, because we have two issues. We have this issue of the violence in, in Indianapolis, and then we have this issue of people who are engaged in violence not being prosecuted. So I'll start with either part that you want to start with. How do you limit the violence? And then what is it your office would do differently than Prosecutor Ryan Mears in actually going after this criminal activity? Well, it goes hand in hand, right? Uh, When you have a prosecutor that is choosing not to charge to the full extent, that is uh, publicly announcing that he categorically will not be prosecuting certain crimes, then that starts building a reputation that, hey, you know what, in Marion County, you can come in and, uh, you know, engage in in criminal activity and you're going to get nothing but a slap on the wrist. And so what we have to do is I would actually do the job. I would set the tone that you are going to have consequences for your criminal activity here in Marion County. And once that starts, then and people know that there are going to be real consequences for their criminal activity, then then that's going to make a change. But it's not just having people holding them accountable. It's also partnering, right? Partnering with law enforcement. Right now, you don't have a a relationship between the prosecutor's office and law enforcement. That partnership has to be restored in order for us to start making a dent in the violence that the city is experiencing. Talking to Cindy Carrasco, Republican nominee for Marion County Prosecutor, Cindy, C-Y-N-D-I, Cindy, F-O-R, Cindy for Indy, uh, dot com is the website that you uh, go to. Uh, you're an IU law graduate. Uh, you're from Texas. It's the reverse. Born in Texas and settled in Indianapolis. That's always a good uh, switch on on the situation. Uh, and you spent uh, uh, years in, in the office of the inspector general and 
and executive director of the State Ethics Commission. Um, this is not what I would consider to be a fun job, being a, a prosecutor. Um, was this always your plan? Was the plan public service? What made you decide, you know what, this is my moment? Well, I've got to tell you, I absolutely love the city of Indianapolis. I've lived here almost my entire adult life, and I chose to make it my home. And I refuse to watch it go down the way it's going. And no, I mean, it wasn't, if you asked me years ago if I would be running for office, I'd probably laugh because it was it was not my plan, but public service absolutely was. And while I had a very fulfilling career, um, you know, I was inspector general, I led a law enforcement agency. I know what the value of that partnership between a prosecutor's office and law enforcement uh, has and the effect that it can have at cutting away at the violence. And I I decided this is my home. I got to do something. I can't just sit there and complain about it. So I decided to run. On your website, cindyforindy.com, under your plan section, you talk about organization. Return the focus of the prosecutor's office to prosecution and public safety and eliminate wasteful spending and programs that do not fulfill its core function. What programs are those specifically? Well, I would definitely bring back a a community prosecutor uh, program. I can't, for the life of me, figure out why uh, the current prosecutor decided to eliminate that program. Now, what that program does is that it embeds a deputy prosecutor with law enforcement. That deputy prosecutor gets to be able to make relationships with the community. It helps encourage uh, the members of the community to have an open dialogue with law enforcement and with the prosecutor's office. That deputy prosecutor would be at your neighborhood uh, watch meetings, at your homeowner association meetings. And let me tell you, I've been traveling the entire county, as you might imagine, And I've gone to homeowner association meetings, and you see that there's a IMPD officer at every single one of those meetings, but I don't see anybody from the prosecutor's office. I want to change that. I want to build a partnership with uh, with the neighborhood. That grassroots effort is what's going to start to actually uh, make a difference in our city. Before I let you go, let me get into another part of your plan that, for me, raised a red flag, and it's a conversation of red flags. Establish a red flag division that works closely with law enforcement to make sure those who shouldn't have guns don't get them. I'm somebody who used to believe in red flag laws until I saw how red flag laws were abused, and I am now somebody, even in Indiana, who opposes uh, red flag laws because they are uh, very often misappropriated in terms of how they are applied, and And they don't do enough to actually help somebody who may be having an issue that is big enough that some family member or other would want to take away their Second Amendment rights. So what does it mean to establish this division and how do you ensure there's no abuse of red flag laws? Well, that's precisely why I want to have a division that's focused solely on this issue so that when it's used, it's used appropriately. But let's get this straight. You actually have to have a prosecutor that's going to use the law, right? And I have to focus, uh, have resources to focus on exactly this uh, red flag law. They'll have the expertise. They'll make sure things don't fall through the crack. And we use the law to its best potential. So you guys know I do work with AFP, Americans for Prosperity. I'm fully transparent about this. Tony Katz, Tony Katz, today what's going on, everybody? 
Well, they have been, you know, I, I do the video series. So my whole Rumble video series uh, is uh, sponsored by by AFP, and the, the series is going great. You're about to see a whole new ad push. We're doing a massive ad push on Rumble. It's gonna be, it's gonna be very, very, very cool. Uh, so we, we've been doing a lot there and having these great conversations. We've been getting a lot of good uh, uh, feedback. One of the things AFP has been doing is they've been going around the country reminding people what gas prices used to be, and they've been doing a, a basically they'll take over a gas station, and then they're bringing gas prices down to before Biden took off and like, see, remember what it was like? And they, they were doing it right here in Indiana, and they did it the other day with former Vice President Mike Pence. Josh Webb joins us right now. Joshua Webb, State Director uh, for Americans for Prosperity in Indiana. Um, this has been going on in states all across the country. You brought it uh, to Indiana, and you know you, you always hear some of the basic uh, people who who well they, they can't stand AFP, right? They, they 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 heard something once about AFP, and they they stick to their talking point, whatever they were told. Uh, but they say, well, this is just a, a, a gimmick. All you're doing is attacking uh, uh, high gas prices, but you're not bringing any solutions to the table. So break it down for me. Give me the one two. Why do you guys do this? How is the event with with Vice President uh, Pence, and then d- does AFP bring solutions to the table? Are, are they, is it a policy conversation or is it a personnel conversation? It was the third stop that we were able to do uh, in Indiana, our true cost of Washington tour that, as you mentioned, we've been doing around the country where we partner with a local station, in this case, Luke Oil up in Hobart, to roll the price of gas back to $2.38, the national average when the Biden administration came into office. And I would say to anybody that, that thinks this is a gimmick, they should come and talk to Hoosier Motorist, as I did, as Vice President Mike Pence did, who we were thrilled to have there yesterday. You know, People are struggling, and, and these events provide them some some temporary relief. But as you alluded to, what we really try to do is use these events to highlight the policies coming out of Washington that are causing this inflation across our economy, the reckless spending that's driving prices at the grocery store, obviously at the pump, and really for all the goods and services that Hoosiers have to buy every day. And we're there, again, to provide some of that temporary relief, but also to highlight policies that we think will get this economy back on track, get these prices down. So as it was not too long ago, $2.38 is no longer special. It's just the norm, and hopefully we can even get lower than that. So a lot of, of what gets discussed is is policy-related uh, uh, kind of items. Uh, you have uh, over there at AmericansForProsperity.org about the Inflation Reduction Act and how it would raise taxes while failing to reduce uh, inflation itself. I've discussed this. It's a spending bill that's going to, of course, exacerbate in, inflation. Are the policies from AFP specifically conservative policies? Are they specifically Republican policies? Or is it the same conversation, regardless uh, of who's in office? It's about sounds policy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're we're a nonpartisan organization. Uh, we think these are these are common sense policies. Um, both parties ha- have not been um, um, great on, as we know, on, on spending in in Washington. And we think in reining that spending in, doing things to rein in uh, regulations around the energy industry to unleash uh, domestic energy production, uh, specifically to help with the price of gas. But again, reining in reckless spending to help with uh, controlling inflation across their economy. Um, doesn't matter who we're talking to. You know the. 
prices, uh, they're affecting Hoosiers no matter who you vote for. We don't ask a party affiliation or ideology. When those people come to the pump, we had over 200 drivers up in Hobart that were lined up, you know, about a half mile down the road waiting to get the, to get the gas. And people of all stripes were coming in, get the gas, and sharing their stories of how this inflation is, is really hurting them right now uh, this summer. You talk about being nonpartisan, and I'm not disagreeing with you, but when you've got someone like me who does work with you, and I have on and off over the years, when you're bringing in former Vice President Mike Pence, someone's going to think that you've got a political affiliation, man. Um, (laughs) Can you talk to me about times where where you're crossing the aisle, times where you are working with people on, on the political left, and how that's received? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think, um, you know, we work on a number of issues uh, at AFP. And, and sometimes, again, we have worked with people across the political spectrum. We've worked on criminal justice reform. Um, we're working on, on cannabis reform across the country right now and different state chapters um, going to be working on that here in Indiana as well. And obviously that, that gives us coalition partners that sometimes come from the other side of the aisle. And, um, you know, often I think we are working working more on the right. And, and obviously that's where a lot of our policies policies align. But we'll work with anybody to do good, and we'll partner with anybody to pass common-sense policies that make the lives of Hoosiers and make the lives of Americans better. So when you look at inflation, talking to Joshua Webb, Americans for Prosperity, Indiana State Director in Indiana for Americans for Prosperity, americansforprosperity.org, when you take a look, for example, in Indiana, and you take a look at this Governor Holcomb plan, uh, he wants to send $225 back to every taxpayer, a billion dollars back to the people. You take a look at the House, which has taken this up, and the Senate has said, why don't we just uh, uh, suspend uh, utility taxes? Taxes and these other things, and that and that'll be uh, good. Uh, what's what's the take on that? Is this a smart policy? Is this uh, inflation building policy in, in your view? What would you like to see Indiana doing for Hoosiers? Well, I think we're always going to lean toward more permanent fixes. What we'd like to see, again, we were championing the uh, the income tax reduction. Uh, we'd like to see the income tax eliminated here in Indiana. Um, so, so when we're sending money back, uh, we're always going to be for that. That's, that's great to do. It's the people's money. They should get it back. Um, but I think we would like to see more structural reform, big, more transformational reform in Indiana's tax code. Send that money back permanently um, instead of instead of a temporary fix. There you are in, in, in Hobart, right? You, you've done this in, in other places. And I, I do want to know if you're going to be bringing it uh, to any other places in Indiana. But you're there. Uh, the former vice president is, is there. You're, you're AFP. Did anybody online get to the pump and say, wait a second, AFP, I don't want to be near you guys, and then drive away? Or did they all fill up first? Nobody was complaining about cheap gas yesterday. No, I didn't get that. <laughs> like everyone, everyone. Like you said, we are having these, um, again, around the country, and we're going to have more uh, here in the state of Indiana. We're going to have some down in central Indiana, actually, as early as next week. Uh, going to be back up in northwest Indiana and going to do some in, in southern Indiana, too. Folks can go to truecostofwashington.com. There you can see all the tour dates, uh, see where it's going to be near you, and get all the details for where we're going to be in Indiana and across the country. 
TrueCostOfWashington.com is where you go. Yeah, I want to. I want to see. I want to see because I, I. I mean, there, there's there's a possibility I'm going to be at one or two of these. I mean, that's that that is uh, no joke. I, I get it all the time. You know, I, I get the the Koch brothers conversation and, and and everything else. But you guys have been on. You've been on the uh, receiving end from conservatives about not being conservative uh, enough on some of the cannabis stuff and and a host of other things. Before I let you go, give me the guiding principle. The the AFP rule of thumb, Americans Prosperity, what is the guiding principle over there? Well, I, I like to say that we're for fiscal responsibility, personal freedom, and bottom-up solutions rather than top-down government control. We believe in people. We believe people are not a problem to be solved, but they're solutions to the problem. So if you're going to lean toward smaller, bottom-up solutions, less control, less top-down, we're, we're almost always going to be with you on those issues. Joshua Webb, I don't see anything scheduled yet for uh, Central and Southern Indiana. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Everybody wants their their low gas. Joshua Webb uh, from Americans for Prosperity in Indiana, AmericansforProsperity.org. I appreciate you. So that's AFP. I mean, I, I, I do the work with them. I never lie. You, you, you know, right up front who I am and, and what I'm all about when I'm connected. I just dig the thing. And I love the fact that it doesn't matter who you are. Uh, low gas, uh, thank you. For, thank you very much. It's always hysterical. Always. You can find the videos, by the way, at rumble.com slash Tony Katz, and you should. They're, they're good stuff. They're good, good stuff. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. You can do that also. Tomorrow, everyone. Take care.